How did the world's first CISO develop his career? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and we're talking to the world's first CISO, Stephen Katz. Steve, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks again for the call, and uh, interesting topic. So the big open question, Steve, talk to us a little bit about how you started your career and how you, you positioned it so that you did become the world's first CISO. I would love to say it was advanced planning and preparation along the way. I have to say 99% of it was serendipity and being open to a new career opportunity where there wasn't a career and there wasn't definition of what information security was all about. I was fortunate enough very early on to get involved in, uh, in technology and in uh, quality assurance of technology and really began by requiring people to put in user ID and password routines into COBOL and Fortran programs. Uh, by at the point at that point, by saying we looked at security, uh, already put me in a category that otherwise didn't exist, and also lived at a time when RACF and ACF2 and Top Secret, the three mainframe security products, were beginning to come into prominence. It was at a time when uh, auditors began to wake up and said, "You need mainframe security. You, you need something to secure these huge processing uh, boxes that were processing the corporations." Uh, top systems, and uh, anybody who was able to take the time to learn the inners and uh, the requirements of ACF2 and uh, default settings and, uh, or ACF2 top secret or RACF, but anyone who wanted to learn the default settings of the mainframe security products uh, automatically became a security wizard. Uh, spent a small amount of time at one of the major, at that point, big A firms, and then was lucky enough to be recruited into uh, J.P. Morgan and Company, as they were implementing and rolling out and refining their mainframe security products. Um, at that time, was you know learning security settings, mandating security settings, and writing security policy that said this is what was required to secure a mainframe security environment. And by the way, here are the kinds of people that have to do ID administration. And our help desk was literally somebody sitting by a phone, and we went to lunch having an old-fashioned answering machine. Um, by being there in the uh, early and mid-80s, I was able to see the advent of what was then called departmental computing, the mid-range computing uh, systems, and we had to come up with ways to uh, uh, implement security on uh, back systems and uh, a number of the mid-range IBM systems, and was part of the early parade of uh, being a company that was looking, at, looking to bring in uh, personal computers. Uh, and was really fortunate enough to uh, work with some of the very early antivirus uh, vendors and bring antivirus uh, products into place, and also looking at email systems and putting in security for email systems. And fortunately enough, the, the need for security just grew and grew. Uh, in the mid-90s, uh, I was one of the few people who made a career out of information security or then... I guess initially I was called a data security officer, then an information security officer. And in 1994, 95, uh, Roomba on the street was that Citicorp had been hacked, uh, and no one knew whether it was true or not. And I was uh, fortunate to be in a position where a recruiter called and said Citicorp was looking to recruit an informa chief information security officer or an information security officer. And would I be willing to take the interview? Uh, it 
took the interview, interview primarily because I wanted to find out what happened at Sidney's so it wouldn't happen at J.P. Morgan and Company, and spent uh, the better part of three months interviewing with every executive level in the, within City uh, Corp's uh, business wing as well as technology wing. Uh, we sort of do a quick rewind. Right after City Bank was hacked, or City Corp was hacked, uh, City, under the direction of John Reed, brought in, uh, put together an executive committee of uh, executive vice presidents and senior vice presidents in both uh, operations, technology, and the business environment, as well as audit. And they put together a position description for a chief information security officer with the understanding that, with the recognition, rather, that uh, they realized security was a business issue as much as a technological issue, and they also recognized that unless somebody had a, a you know a seat at the executive uh, committee level, they would not be able to implement the far-reaching policies and standards and technologies that were necessary. And the city was forward-looking enough to say to have uh, the position appointed to the chief technology officer, and the chief technology officer was a brilliant technology and technological brilliant brilliant technologist and brilliant technological futurist, reported directly into the chair. So, an and I guess my interview process with City took me through uh, most of the senior business heads, as well as the chief technology officer, as well as a brief meeting with the, the CEO. Uh, and their commitment, I think, the, if I sort of in retrospect I look at it, the, the challenge was absolutely incredible. City's commitment was absolutely incredible. Was absolutely incredible. The chemistry in working with the executives was more remarkable than anything I could have foreseen. And uh, there was just, and the offer of a C-level job when none had ever existed before uh, was, you know, more than, a, you know, greater than any career aspiration I had. Uh, but it was also one of those things where you, know, you look at it, you accept the job and said, oh, my God, what the heck did I accept? Because 30 days after I took the job, the hat, which had been kept relatively private, uh, was on the uh, all the local news media at the time. Uh, I think the and I, it somehow it's going to lose flavor in the in the translation, but I guess 90 days after I was there, and I took a look at what, uh, what was going on, I had an interview with uh, a couple of reporters, and they said, "What was it like to be the first chief information security officer, and what was it like to use at a, at a company like City?" And my response to them was, "Not a problem. I, I learned to sleep like a baby. I got up every two hours and cried." <laughs> Well, Steve, you were fortunate enough to get in there at a time very early on in the in the profession, really, and you were able to see it evolve in ways that none of us could have predicted. What would you they say... A, oh, go ahead. They gave me a very free hand. They said the commitment they wanted from me in taking the job was to make sure that a uh, city would not be hacked like that again. It would not be subject to the scrutiny it was subjected to, both regulatory-wise and client-wise. And they said, put together a program that will work. Put together a program that, to the best of professional ability, would ensure that city did not get hacked again. And one of the things we, is, and I, you've heard me say this before, we came up with questions that business executives would understand in terms of identifying who they were dealing with, verifying what privilege they would have, talking about data encryption. They also said, uh, how should we structure this organizationally? So many things that are being done today, we did back in 1995-96, putting in something we called a group with sector-level information security officers that reported jointly to me and to the business head, 
putting in business information security officers that, officers that reported also jointly into the group information security officer and into me, putting together information security training programs so that the security officers around the company, whether they were full-time or part-time, recognized they were part of a very elite organization called the Information Security Officer Office, uh, Information Security Officer Office of the City Corp. And again, we provided uh, three-day training uh, classes a few times a year. We had annual CISO, ISO conferences uh, to make sure people understood what the job was, what the commitment was, what they had to do, and literally what they had to do in terms of implementing security within their particular lines of business and uh, recognizing the tools and technologies that were available to allow them to implement security. So, sorry I jumped in your question, Tom. Well, no, that, that was really helpful, but and it sets the stage for the, the second part of this, which is given that mission and the fundamental challenges of the job, as the position and as your career evolved, how would you summarize some of the major challenges that you encountered as a CISO? The biggest challenge was, and I think continues to be, earning the respect of the business community that you were serving. Uh, the business community ultimately provides a budget for the information security office. And if you can't help them to understand what you do, why what you're doing is important to them, they're not going to want to pay for it. The biggest thing is, uh, uh, I guess the biggest challenge facing any chief information security officer is being able to ensure that the business executives understand the impact of, of security, understand why it is important to them and their customer base, and why it is important to them so that they can deliver improved product and service. Uh, I lo always looked at information security as a business within a business, and I looked at the senior business executives as my board of directors. And as in any corporation, if you can't sell something to the board of directors, you're not going to be able to make it happen. So the whole function of the ISO today, as well as I think the ISO 10 years ago, is to earn the right to be at the executive table, to be able to present your information security issues in terms of uh, business need. Uh, security doesn't exist in and of itself for itself. If it's not fulfilling a business need, if it is not in some way helping the company move towards improved profitability and improve revenue generation, uh, you're not going to be there very long. So it's really saying, what is the business function I'm fulfilling, and why do these folks, uh, well, my board of directors, why do they want to go ahead and fund me in this effort? And why the heck do they want to go ahead and fund me when every year people are tightening their belts and I'm coming back and saying, what we did last year was good, but we need more. And by the way, there is no such thing as full security, as, as, as there is no such thing as perfect health. You can only keep on making it better. You measure vital signs, and you recognize as with uh, as with your relationship with your with the physician, uh, you can determine the thing you know whether things are improving or not improving. But you you as you can't guarantee health, you can't guarantee perfect security. And the information chief information security officer has to be confident enough and his our ability to stand up to a board of directors, read business heads, read uh, lines of business managers, and say, here's the best we can do and. Uh, recognizing the best is still a possibility that we're going to have a problem. Steve, given that mandate for the CISO today, you have the opportunity to see a lot of different organizations. What skill sets would you say are most necessary for today's security leaders to be successful in their roles? First, I think you need technical 
knowledge. You don't have to be technically proficient any longer, but you do need thorough knowledge of the business that you, you, your company is in. You de- do need to understand why what you're doing is important, uh, but it's thoroughly understanding the, the products and services that your company is offering and then being able to negotiate with uh, business heads for funding. There's always a limited amount of revenue, and everyone is fighting for, uh, for, you know, for expense budget. And security is not a direct expense. It's not a direct revenue generator. So it's coming up and saying, here's why, what I'm, here's why what I'm doing is valuable to the corporation, and here's why we need to fund this effort. And if you can't negotiate funding and can't, can't attach what you're doing to the business products and services that are being offered, funding isn't going to be there, funding is not going to be there, and you're increasing the likelihood of having a, uh, having a breach or having a security problem. So I think it's recognizing what, what battles you're fighting, and that is how to, you're looking to minimize risk, uh, not eliminate it because you can't. You're looking to understand how much risk a company's willing to accept, and you're willing to go ahead and say, I can give you so much security for these dollars and so much security for these dollars, and by the way, we're never going to get close to 100%. But you have to see the security problem from the, through the, the lens of the business person. Steve, that's really helpful. I appreciate your time and your insight today. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for asking me to participate. We've been talking to the world's first CISO, Steve Katz. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.